0: Welcome to another episode of Bruins Tape to Tape. Uh, This is episode number 15. My name is Caroline. I'm your host this evening. It's December 28th, 2023, and I am joined by Maria. Hi, Maria.
1: Hello, hello, everyone. I hope everyone um, enjoyed part one of the holidays. We'll be on to uh, part two very soon when we usher in a new year.
0: No, I can't even believe it. We're this is our last episode of the year, and the next time we chat with everybody again, it's going to be 2024. So, and then it's going to be off to the races in terms of the NHL season. So it's about to get crazy, folks. It's about (laughs) to get real, folks. Absolutely, it's like the very last little stretch before everything just explodes, right? Like it's the it's the week before Christmas and then we're going to be on All-Star break, uh, February break and then it's trade deadline insanity mm-hmm. and race to the playoffs like it's it's going to be playoffs
1: before we know it and I can't even believe it. It's, it's this is this oh. is the time when you start separating the men from the boys. Oh,
0: yes, and boy is it getting interesting uh, just across the league uh seeing how the standings are kind of shaking out both in the East and the West. Um, You know, it seems surprising. I know we've talked about this the last couple of uh, episodes where we don't feel like the Bruins have been playing particularly well, but it all that matters is that everyone else is playing just as poorly. And in the East, that's absolutely the case while the Rangers have clearly, uh, taken hold of the top seed uh in the east. Uh there's really no contest between first place and second place and beyond in either division. Uh the Bruins are sitting on top of the Atlantic division with their 46 points ahead of the Panthers with 42 on this day. So that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a gap. Uh, and the Rangers are eight points ahead of the Islanders at 49 points uh but it's interesting out in the west a little bit of uh competition happening there in the top 3 uh seeds for each division so uh we'll see how how things uh, shake out over there we 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 keep an eye on them we keep an eye on what's
1: going on over there right and and who who in their right mind would have had the Vancouver Canucks oh my sitting in in the number 1 spot in the west right now now you know it's again it's it's still anybody's ball game in both conferences but um that that's got to be um a significant surprise yeah. to to anyone across across the league who's who's paying attention to what's happening in the National Hockey League
0: they have but, the highest uh, goal differential at 46 which is insane like insane what? yeah <laughs> what who are these people? But uh, we're here to talk about the Boston Bruins.
1: Yes, and, we are. And
0: we've had a bit of an up and down uh, week. So let's set the table. A little bit of housekeeping. First and foremost, we don't actually have any idea what's going on with Matt Gerzlik. We don't even think he's actually on the injured reserve in any official capacity. So we have no, no he's idea. He's listed
1: as day to day, day to yep. day.
0: And then with Forbert. I think uh, we will be definitely excited to see him come back. I'm anticipating, based on some comments made by Monty, that he's on target, he's on schedule for him to be coming back on the first uh, game-slash-day that he's eligible, which I think is the first one of the new year. Um, So he's coming back soon. Maybe by, by, by the next time we record, hopefully we will see him back on the ice. Um and then we as Bruins fans who get to watch the game on Nesson with some frequency got to experience a little bit of a change of pace in the play-by-play calling where Jack Edwards was out on scheduled leave for a little bit of time and we had was it two games? Two games Alex I five? believe. Yep. Um you know, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I I love Jack's enthusiasm. I don't have a problem with any home announcer being as passionate and as excited about the game as as Jack is. Uh but I was also I really also enjoyed Alex, Faust, and I hope we see more of him. I hope we hear yeah. more of
1: him. <laughs> I'm 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 going I'm not gonna be as diplomatic yeah. as you. That's I'm not going to be smug. yeah, I know it's your job. You're the good cop and I'm the bad cop, but I am, I am over Jack Edwards. After hearing Alex Faust oh, and his dulcet tones and his level headed demeanor and approach, I just found the game so much more enjoyable to listen yeah. to. Yeah. It's just, well, speed and I speed have speed. nothing against Jack. I have nothing against Jack. And I'm all for, you know, I I understand that there's homerism in any sport with a local play-by-play guy. But I think there have been enough kind of uncomfortable instances with mm-hmm. remarks that Jack has made that I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I'm really good with next- listening to Alex Faust. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one of the things that I really really enjoyed about
0: listening to his play-by-play uh you know as much as some of the comments that were uh discussed in our discord that he sounded like he was calling a game of golf although to be fair the game that he was calling was painfully awful so whatever but uh I really enjoyed how he engaged with Brick because yes. I love it seemed Brick.
1: very natural right I- I wish we could hear more from Brick. And yes, he engaged Jack talks him. too much.
0: Yeah, he he engaged Brick a lot and asked his opinion and asked his take because Brick has a lot to say and he's very knowledgeable and he has some really fantastic insights. Um, and I really really enjoyed that back and forth. That was probably the most I heard Brick speak during a game, especially like during actual play, in forever. So. We we were big fans of Alex and we hope uh, I believe we will actually be hearing from him again soon because I think there is a another scheduled absence um, coming up soon. So. We'll get to enjoy his, as you called them, dulcet tones soon, (laughs)
1: Um, but he was a refreshing change of pace. it, It was a
0: quick. He was calling the game fast, and I was happy for that. That's all else. That's the least diplomatic thing that I will say. <laughs> that's front. Um, but so we're we're talking about a, a few frustrating games and one that was, I guess I'm going to call it a relief because we were looking at a four straight winless situation ahead of last night's game against buffalo and it wasn't just bad luck it wasn't just you know the terrible puck luck that we often will see uh as as uh razor and jaffe both said in one intermission uh this was the worst game that they have seen ever and that surpassed the columbus blue jackets game that we already saw this season So. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about that Jets game. Well, the, it, again, the right, folks, Maria. this,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, this game seems like it, it took, took place weeks ago, but it was just last week, right before mm-hmm. the holiday break. And, you know, there, there's not much to say other than the fact that the Jets were better than the Bruins. The Bruins didn't win many, if any, puck battles during the course of this game. They were dominated in the face-off circle by the Jets. They were definitely outmuscled by oh, yeah. the Jets. To, the, the Bruins had too many turnovers, particularly, you know, I don't know what's been going on with Hampus Lindholm, but he had a pretty miserable first period wow. um, in, in that Jets game. And, you know, and again, the Bruins allowed a goal in the waning seconds of a period – Mm -hmm. where Morrissey scores with less than 10 seconds left in the first period to give the Jets a one-to-nothing lead. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, we had a comment from someone that we engage with in our Discord, who's very knowledgeable, um, listener Shaz, who Mm -hmm. said that, you know, the, the D just couldn't stop the Jets from getting into the zone. And then they couldn't get them out once they got in there. Mm -hmm. and the comment is that, you know, the centers are a big part of the Bruins' defensive system, which is why they are having um, a big adjustment. Centers have always played in between wingers and D-men in the system, and if the center is not as defensively minded, he won't be as strong for running and quarterbacking the play defensively. I refer to this as the... We miss you, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci syndrome. Now, you know, we we all knew that this was going to be a potential problem. Yeah. And it is starting to be a contributing factor in some of these, you know, lost two games in a row, lost three games in a row, lost four games yeah. in a row because of there those guys were a critical, particularly Patrice, component to the Bruins defensive structure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I also, you know, I will own up to it. I initially thought it didn't make sense for me. And i I probably have said this quite frankly in past episodes. I don't understand why the defense has been struggling quite so much when the players, I mean, the top four are effectively the same four players and five of the players are the same players, really. Why are they all of a sudden not quite getting the job done? And again, hat tip, to shaz for really pointing it out in uh one of our game day discussions where um she said like you like you said the 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 true role of the of what bergeron was able to do and even crechey um to a major extent you know they weren't just really good centers in the traditional offensive sense you know winning the face-offs and quarterbacking plays for the wingers to go and, you know, setting up those plays for the wingers to go and score the goals. But they also effectively served as a center to two defensive wingers, if you think about it in that sense, right? That's why there are only two defensemen who play, because the center is supposed to also center the defensemen. And in a system like the Bruins' system... The center has to be equally skilled in offensive center responsibilities, which we have, right? I have no complaints, no criticism for Zaka, for Coyle. Like, they're doing the job. They're getting the job done. They're picking up the slack in that regard, right? But I think for the Bruins system in particular, It's just so hard to replace, again, that defensive element that Bergeron and Krejci were able to do so that they could supplement the defensive players as, uh, if you think about it again, as defensive wingers to do what needs to get done to either back check and help or help them get it out, right? Because it is the defenseman's responsibility that when the puck enters the defensive zone, it is their responsibility to get that puck out of the zone, to get it up and going to the wingers to be offensive. I mean, that is why playing center is arguably the most difficult skating position because they literally have to skate 200 feet. That is what we are talking about whenever you hear anybody say that player has a fantastic 200-foot game. That's what that means. And as much as, again, Charlie Coyle has picked up major slack in uh, uh, the face-offs. Highly impressed. Love him. And he's really picked it up on his offensive game. Same thing with Zaka. Neither of them plays a 200-foot game. And unfortunately, because of the Bruins' particular system, that has become obvious in the fact that they can't quite support the defensive players in the same way that our other centers
1: had in the past. And you know what's really frightening about some of what you've said too is, yes, you know, coil coil is has has been very, very good in the face off dots. Geeky's coming along in the face off dots. But there are instances that even when they win the face off in their defensive zone, mm-hmm. they're still coming under siege. Mm-hmm. there's There's something that is disconnected. <laughs> Um, in their ability to not only win the faceoff, but ensuring that you have a plan of what you're doing with that puck right. when you win the face-off.
0: Yeah. And it's not just, right, it's a combination of things. It's not just winning the face-off in the defensive zone, which is incredibly important. And it's not just as simple as, oh, they have to clear the puck, right? We, we yell at our TV's Every single game guaranteed where we're shouting, for the love of God, clear the puck. It's not even clearing the puck. It's being able to have control over the puck while you're in the defensive zone and be able to take it out in a controlled manner. And that's that's what's not happening. And I don't know what the answer is, Gray. I don't know that... There is a player out there who can fill that particular gap. You know, I I hear all the time and I'm sure you especially listening to the uh Boston media that you listen to <laughs> where people love to complain. They're like, "Oh, we need a 1C. We need a 1C." Look, we have a great yeah. 1C on the offensive
1: front. I have no complaint. Patrice I think I have a Bergeron's doing great. Right. Don't you that's Honestly, not the issue. Like right. say that all we need is a one C is no. very simplistic. Is a much more nuanced right. issue. That's right. not right. the issue. And realistically, you're not going to be able to resolve that. No. I don't believe this season. No, just because of the salary cap situation right. that most of the t- teams in the league right. are in right now but also i, I how many just other don't teams? see any big deals being right. made in order to no. and 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 what are you going to have to potentially give, g- up. give up we're we're going off on a on a tangent right. know, here but um to, to your point it's very easy for people to say well they should have signed this person they should just go out and get it right no what, what do you think this is a monopoly game that we're playing right. with monopoly money here
0: but also how many other teams in the league play a system like the Bruins. So we're not just talking, oh, you got to go out and get a better center. No, 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 no. The center, if you want to talk about going out and getting a, a new center, whether it's at the trade deadline or signing over the summer, should the, the cap raise as much as we are thinking it will raise.
1: I don't trust to, the league
0: when yeah, it comes you you to that to, anymore. Right. You yeah. have to find a center who also is excellent on the the back end as the front end right it's it's not just about what center can quarterback those forward plays and like literally i would i i ask our our audience our listeners what other team plays in the style that the bruins play and who do they have on their roster who actually could be a legitimate replacement in the way that Sharice Bergeron played defensively, that we could afford, like that's a lot of criteria that narrows it down to probably a handful of players and <laughs> what team is going to want to give that up if that's uh, their structure no. right so <laughs> you know its it's such a complica- a complicated issue um
1: and i guess the the moral to the story is is <laughs> this is not a prob this is not a problem that's going to be yeah. easily remedied. No, I. I it's not going to be remedied th- this season. No. As far as that, that's just my my belief. Perhaps in the off season, and, mm-hmm. um, but for right now, these are these are the pain points that we're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. throughout the course of the season. Where you're going to see instances where. This Bruins team is going to win two or three games in a row, and then they're going to hit a little snag or a bump where they're going to lose three or four games in a row. Right. Now, if, if they can weather the storm mm-hmm. in doing what they did with this last four-game losing streak in right. that you come out, okay, so you lose to the Winnipeg Jets, who, by the way, are a very good team. They're, they're, not, they're not a cupcake Team. Right. They are built tough and they are built strong.
0: They're moving on up.
1: And they're moving on up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you move on to, you know, two nights later, you're yeah. playing the Minnesota Wild again, and you've got Marc-Andre Fleury in the net mm-hmm. again, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he seems to be doing the same things that he did. Right. In the prior game at TD Garden, he what he stopped breakaways on Geeky twice mm-hmm. during the course of that game. Right, the Bruins started off the game with a good aggressive pace of play. They seemed to be moving the puck up the ice quickly. They were also protecting the puck and not giving the Wild any significant amount of ozone time. You know, I saw Hampus Lindholm um, jumping in the play offensively. The Bruins capitalize on a power play opportunity early in the game. Pasta puts a one-timer one, one timer past. Marc-Andre Fleury on the far side, and the Bruins take a one-to-nothing lead. Yeah. And you think things look pretty good. Yeah. And then Ian Mitchell makes a bad decision about not – getting the puck out of the Bruin zone. He's not the only one who's suffered from these ill-advised decisions. And it it turns into um, nearly two minutes of offensive zone time for the right. Minnesota Wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and the other thing to kind of think about um, that I didn't, consider the first time that we saw them play the Wild, because I had said, you know, I was genuinely surprised at how well the Wild played for a team that was essentially barely at 500. But, you know, they had a coaching change um, at the end of November, and they've made a pretty good turnaround since that coaching change. I think I would say they are probably a very different team and the team that I saw the Bruins play was a was essentially the same consistent team, and I was initially pleased at their response. You know, the Bruins this season have, um, in these kind of like revenge games, so to speak, have come back and you know taken care of business, and I think we all. Uh, assumed that that's what was happening in that particular game. And then I honestly can't tell you what the hell happened where
1: they just
0: decided they were only going to play 20 minutes that night.
1: Yep, Uh, because once the second period started... It was awful. It was awful. Just awful. I mean, the, the Bruins were outshot by a margin of 19 to 6. Yeah. I'm nineteen to 6 that. I'm getting now, tired of you being you know, outshot. I mean, <laughs> credit, credit, credit to the Wild, credit to Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, again, he yeah. he robs Geeky on a breakaway for the second time, <laughs> Um, the second time in the game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can't think of anything good that's going for you when you're being outshot 19 to 6. Yeah. And even in the game and they were lucky, they were lucky to be only down by one goal to start the third period in that game.
0: Yeah. You know, it's even in the games or even in the periods, let's say where they, the Bruins have played really, really well. They're not really seemingly dominating when it comes to at least shots on goal. And That is also a little bit weird to be witnessing because, I mean, obviously that didn't, that wasn't the thing at the start of the season and it has slowly become a thing. And anytime I'm watching one of their games right now and I think, man, I don't, I don't love what I'm seeing. And then I look at the, I believe they call it like a a score bug, right? The little, the little Box score at the top there, um and I see what the the shots on goal are and I'll be like, uh, oh, yep, all right, so it seems like that's a massive indicator uh right now for the Bruins that if uh if they're not getting their shots. Something's going on, and chances are...
1: They're not getting their shots. It's because they're hemmed in their own end for get, get, say, periods of time.
0: <laughs> that's because they're getting stuck in the defensive zone, yeah. and they cannot get out.
1: And I they can't even, get out of their own way.
0: I don't even remember now of the, the losses that uh, we saw in the past week. I don't even remember now which game it was, because quite frankly... In that one period against Minnesota, notwithstanding that all the periods were just not great. But there was one period where I was like, for the love of God, can you please get out of your zone? It was probably the Winnipeg game, but still, it keeps happening. They'll get stuck. They're getting Mm -hmm. stuck in the zone. I'm
1: like, get out, get out. And, you know, Kevin Kevin Weeks, I can't remember if it was Kevin Weeks or Colby Armstrong, mm-hmm. it might have been both of them, mm-hmm. who prior to the game last night against Buffalo, which was a TNT broadcast, mm-hmm. and it was during the pregame where they both were in agreement that were it not for mm-hmm. the goalies for the Boston Bruins, would the Bruins be mm-hmm. – no. At, at the top of the standings right now. No. No. Likely not. Likely not.
0: No. And I will say, I, I I, I cannot recall if I actually said this officially in recording, but I know I have told you this. Outside of recordings, uh, when it comes <laughs> to our goaltenders, and especially Jeremy Swayman, this is Jeremy Swayman's year. And I will tell you, Everybody needs to be keeping an eye on this young man because I, I mean, God forbid, like knock on all the wood, touch all the wood, pray to all the saints, whatever you will, <laughs> that he continues to have the season that he is having because a, this is a contract year for him. Uh, He took the team to arbitration last season. I said before, Free agency even started because he was unrestricted last year and they gave him a one-year contract because of the cap issues, whatever. This kid deserves a Jake Ottinger contract. And everyone thought I was crazy. And I said, no, no, I see what he's doing. I can see where he's going. And so, you know, they, they came to agreement. They went to arbitration, whatever. I tell you, this year, I'm putting it out there today, December 28th, 2023. We get to free agency. Bruins will be insane not to sign him. This guy deserves equal or better than Jake Ottinger-level contract. Okay? It's there. He absolutely has it. And I have said to you, he should be considered in the running for Vezina. And I was vindicated in that opinion. During the Buffalo game, because in one of the intermission reports, someone actually brought it up. Granted, they brought it up in terms of, you know, one of their gambling website odds. But I'm like, ha-ha, there it is. Someone thought of it. I'm not know. the he's, only one he's... who's thinking about this. And this is insane to think about, considering he, Allmark, a winner last year, still just as good last year uh, this year, as he was last year, and yet, in my mind, of the two goalies, Swayman is the Vezina candidate. That is how blessed we are with these goals. <laughs> no,
1: amazing. and I, I think he's definitely going to be, um, in, in the com in the conversation, conversation and, and given some some consideration. If if not, then there's mm-hmm. there's some definitely world. something wrong with anybody who has a vote, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for, for that 100%. particular trophy, but um. You know, it's just, again, these are are recurring themes and recurring patterns. I also think that they're um, considered growing pains, Um, but they're pains that we need to talk about because they occur during games that we're having conversations about. And so, you know, we're here to talk about the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly. You know, we've had a couple of ugly games, Mm -hmm. um, one of which was, you know, back in November where the Rangers spanked the Bruins. This Mm -hmm. Jets game, to me, was another smackdown. Yeah. Now, those are not happening with a degree of frequency that I would call alarming.
0: True. But But they're still troubling.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Because you think about every game in the context of what if this was a playoff game? Right? I certainly do. And what does that mean if they play against a team that functions or operates in a similar way to those teams? Because even if they play you know, I don't know, some other team, those teams will do their homework and they will look at every game that the Bruins have lost and every game where the Bruins have performed poorly and see what those other teams did to capitalize on whatever issues the Bruins were having in that particular game. That's what I think about. So, yeah.
1: Um, So, you know, the, the, uh, to to wrap up this game, you know, uh, to me, the, the, this, the game against the wild was, was pretty much lost in the second period. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, all, although the um they were out they were outshot 19 to 6 going into the third, the Bruins were only down by a goal, which was very fortuitous for them because you know, it it again, goalies saved saved their saved their bacon. Yeah. But, you know, they they start the third period on the penalty kill with, mm-hmm. um, I believe it was a, was it a carryover penalty, um, yeah. but be that as it may, the um, Wild scored yeah. as the penalty came to an end. So yeah. it's just, you know, to me they looked like a little bit of let me drag my butt and yeah. get off to the break and f- try to fix what's wrong with us um, mm-hmm. after the holiday break ty- type of scenario but mm-hmm. you know that 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 marked a four game skid for the bruins going into the holiday break
0: yeah yep yeah i was not i was not a happy fan not just because of the losses but the quality of the play you know, it's one thing if the Bruins lose in a game like the first time against the Wild. That was a heartbreaker, but that was a hell of a game, right? What what I watched was poor hockey that was also boring as hell and didn't seem like the players who were there I don't know, just didn't want to be there. I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> I really don't. And the fact that in that second wild game, they were so responsive in the first period, only to just completely lay an egg in that second and third period, it it was baffling. And I think for the intermission reports, you know, and the what what everyone was saying um from Nesson, like they were equally just dumbfounded. I was dumbfounded. I was like this is this is not the same team. So that was that part was concerning. The fact that the team could drop the ball in just such a awful way mid-game. It's one thing if it's one game to another. It's a completely different issue when it happens mid game and that i did not care for um
1: yeah but- it just it just seems that you know they yeah it, it's yeah. when when you're when when the team that you're following uh-huh. puts forth the effort each period mm-hmm. it's it's hard to you can get frustrated with them but it's hard to get disillusioned or angry or you know what? Whatever emotion you have, but yeah. when you see this kind of what I refer to as you know Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde syndrome, where they seemingly have a difficult time stringing together three solid periods of hockey on a consistent basis night after night, and look, I I know I know it's a grind. I can only imagine. I don't know it, but I can only imagine given, you know, the level of play, the physicality, the travel, the length of the season. It is virtually impossible to play, you know, perfect hockey. No no team can do that for any, you know, sustained period of time. But all you want to see is a solid effort, you know, good fundamental hockey being played on a consistent basis and I'm not quite sure that this team is there yet. Now, I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that, you know, coach Monty keeps moving guys around on a couple of these lines. Yeah. Um you you've had some guys now in and out of the lineup with 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 injuries, mm-hmm. you know, defensive pairings that aren't always as as steady as they might normally be, so. But again, every team has to deal with right. with yeah. injuries and you know moving guys around. So, yeah. um, I I think in, you know when, when you hear Charlie Coyle speak about they know how they want to play, right? And they just need to play that way, or they need to fix it so that they play that way. That that is reassuring to me
0: yeah i mean i all right i'll be the i'll be the more pessimistic
1: <laughs> oh my god what's happening here i
0: know i know right we've um, switched roles i know this is unusual i guess i'm irritated enough because i feel like i've heard enough interviews with all the players and the coaches saying the same thing over and over again and it's the literal same thing that i shout at the tv you shout at the tv we all shout at the tv you gotta you know it's the details, it's the simple like how many times do i have to hear as a fan a player or the coach say, well, we got to get back to the details and playing simple hockey. Great. Can you please just do that? Can you do that for me? <laughs> like it's one. Th- yes, I hear you. You know, you have to, you know, this is what you have to do. Why are you doing it? <laughs> I don't know. That's just a pet peeve of mine where it's like for anyone to say like, yeah, I know I got to do this better." Cool. Do it then. I don't know. That's just a huge pet peeve of mine, but that aside, you know, that's one thing. You know, that's their that's what they got to kind of deal with and figure out. Uh I know what I'm about to say is about to set you off, so everybody strap in. Uh the other challenge that the Bruins are facing. And and again, I will go back to my 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 normal diplomatic role. Uh, questionable whether or not it is uh, because they are the Bruins. Probably, I will say probably, the officiating over the last (laughs) month has had a very noticeable and detrimental impact on the outcome of the games. And I don't necessarily mean like, oh, you know, they're on the PK all the time. And so, you know, they're getting goals scored on them because it's PK. What Typically, I see as a fan if the Bruins are going are consistently getting bad call after bad call after bad call, their mental emotional response to that is not very measured and rightfully so right it is a it, hockey is a very passionate game, and I don't completely you know fault them for getting a little over emotional about all of these calls um because I think any team getting as many bad calls as they have, would it would be hard-pressed to not respond in the way that they respond. But I will say, probably, let's put 75% of the blame on the Bruins, you know, not doing the thing that they know they need to be doing and struggling with the things that they're struggling with, but at least a solid 25 to 33% of their struggle has been Directly the result of inexperience and/or incompetence officiating. Let her rip, Maria. Let her rip. I, oh.
1: I, I don't know how much more of this trash I can take. I, my head is going to explode. And you know what? It's not just me. No. It's not just me. You have now people who are in the sport of hockey, Mm -hmm. who are pointing right in the face of Gary Bettman and other league officials for the state of officiating in the NHL. It is absolute trash, Mr. Bettman. And it starts with you. When you have The likes of Dylan Larkin. Right. Okay. Who has to come out and say what he said recently after coming back from the injury that he sustained 10 games or so ago. And when he was asked to describe his reaction to the play that, first of all, knocked him unconscious and then caused him to be out for a number of games. This this is what Dylan Larkin had to say. Now, is is Dylan Larkin Connor McDavid? No, he's not. Is he Connor Bedard? No, he's not. Is he Sidney Crosby? No, he's not. But he still is a player in this league that has cachet, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. This is what he said. I felt pretty embarrassed about it. It's just not something you want to be a part of. I was not happy with how it went and how the after effects went. It's not really a hockey play. It's unfortunate that's what my last week has been. His sense of embarrassment is jarring and comprehensible. Then he goes on to say, it's hard to feel safe out there. Yeah, It's hard to know how to protect yourself. I truly believe that we have the best refs in the world. This is where I disagree with them. I'm sorry, Dylan, but I don't think that you do. Um, In the sport of hockey, our refs are good. I just think the message being sent down from the top, what is safe and what's not, how to discipline it. There's a lot of questions there, and it's kind of scary as a player. Mr. Bettman, I hope, I hope that hearing this keeps you awake at night. You smarmy little worm, because this is the lengths to which you've gone now Mm -hmm. because you're forcing your officials to call ticky-tack bullcrap penalties in order to put forth more power play opportunities, in order to put forth more scoring, in order to make your game more entertaining. You can take it and shove it. Right. You know, and it's I'm
0: really curious because that's the thing that I always think about. Um I don't know why it I just always go to the idea of player safety because this game and maybe it's because I have a kid who plays and so I'm just thinking safety all the time, but you know, I think other leagues are much more aggressive when it comes to enacting immediate safety policies, right? You know, so you we just look at this past year, how quickly all the other leagues have responded to the Adam Johnson situation. Um, you know, when it comes to things like CTE, I, I don't know how there is a question at all about it's, the reality of CTE, Um, even if for some reason, a person were to think that it's not real. um, I think we can all agree that hits to the head are a bad thing, you know? And I just, when I think about what happened to Dylan Larkin, you know, that was kind of a, Freak accident. He's had a little bit of a history with some issues, but regardless, um, you know,
1: I, well clearly Dylan Larkin it. doesn't think that it was an accident.
0: No, 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 Based no. on I his, don't his comments. Think so either. No, no, the no. Fact I know. That he it went it, down it, it, so fast. Right, um, right. Probably was related to some of the issues that he's had, but regardless, like no player should ever have to get a basically a cross check to the
1: neck. No, no I, one should ever have to say they don't feel safe in their work yeah, environment. You know,
0: these, these penalties are penalties ultimately because they're trying to keep people safe. Ultimately, right? That's why they these penalties exist. And if you don't know what is or is not going to be called, if you are a player... You, no matter what role you fill, what job you have on your team, enforcer or not, any player has every, every player, you know, could be on the receiving end of a hit or whatever that could ultimately be career ending, put you in long-term disability, you know, long-term injured reserve, have infinite outcomes, right? And if the league is going to be inconsistent in what it will and will not allow, that message, and that's what he's talking about when he's saying the message coming from the top, the fact that that message is not clear, it is not decisive, it then puts the onus on individuals, i.e. the official, to interpret what they are seeing out on the ice in a vast array of ways. And that's a problem (laughs) because it's a safety issue, right? So I'm super curious to see now. This, I believe, is the first full season for uh, Mr. Walsh, head of the Players Union, which I know he is a controversial figure for some but he is known for his work with labor unions and effectively that is what the players association is as a labor union
1: yes so, because the NHL players association has been infinitely weak right um throughout my t- my time as a long standing hockey yeah. fan
0: yeah and i will say uh it, there has been um the the Players Association and the 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 labor rights of the players has had a very interesting um past and I strongly recommend uh anyone to just get a little bit educated on the history of the players association and the rights of players, just even in the last 20 years. Um it's really interesting and it's crazy. Uh I there's a there's a really good book about it. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but of course we'll post
1: it in our show notes.
0: But effectively the players have been at the mercy of the owners
1: forever mm-hmm. forever
0: and again you all hear us talk about this all the time when the players go out on the ice they are going to work that is their workplace and every player has the right to a safe work environment
1: yes now, and again there are, there no are inherent risks right? with any Deep profession place. if you right? were uh, if you were
0: a lineman on the the railroad or right. whatever Yes, but you still, your employer should be doing whatever they can do to mitigate those risks. And it is not surprising to me that a player like Dylan Larkin um, feels that way. And I applaud him for coming out and saying those words out loud. Because it's important for people to hear because I think people forget uh, that they're not just entertainers. These are people who are out there performing a pretty dangerous job. And we need to remember that. And, and the impacts, the downstream impacts of poor officiating. And this is not just, you know, I'm not just talking about like the ticky tack, Oh, the stick calls, like whatever. Like those are a pain in the ass. And they interrupt the flow of the game. But I'm talking the hits. The non-called for hits, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things mm-hmm. that like I'm seeing a lot of this season. I I, I under don't understand that.
1: Road. I and I think you're you're being gentle. I don't <laughs> understand how how an adult official yeah. who allegedly has experience can see the slightest tap on the wrist right. and call it a slashing penalty, mm-hmm. yet a player gets his head smashed into the glass <laughs> or into the boards, yep. and you don't see that? Right. You don't see that to make a call in it? Right. It's, it's trash. Right. It's absolute unmitigated trash. Right. And the league needs to start being held accountable for it. Officials need to start being held accountable for it. Just just in the game, right. our game last night, mm-hmm. mm. in the Buffalo Sabres game. Mm-hmm. The two officials, Garrett Rank, number seven, who has skin as thin as cheap toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And then number 20, Mitch Dunning. Mm-hmm. Garbage, absolute garbage. Those two officials should never work a game together again, because neither one of them knows the difference between a trip, a hook, or a slash. Okay? Yeah. So let's let's start. Let's start with the 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 alleged elbow mm. that was called on Brad Marchand where okay he thought about elbowing the Sabres player but then thought better of it and wound up pushing pushing the Sabres player with his shoulder and he gets called 2 minutes for elbowing, has something to say to the official, and that would be Garrett Rank, Mr. Toilet Paper Skin, who then compounds his own mistake by adding two more minutes and giving Brad Marchand four minutes. So Brad Marchand loses his mind in the penalty box, throwing his water bottle. I don't blame him. At one point, you can see him, you know, Mouthing, and I could read lips pretty clearly. Yeah. Do your effing job.
0: Yeah.
1: He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No. Then, then Mr. Mitch Dunning makes a phantom tripping call on a Buffalo Sabres player. Now, again, I'm looking at both sides of this, folks, not just looking from the Bruins side of this phantom it was a phantom call yep yet tread frederick gets pushed into levi pushed into levi yep and they call goaltender interference
0: yep
1: like how how is this sustainable any longer for players for coaches right. and and now we now we have you know the the guys who are doing the commentating in between periods. Right. This this was, on this was Colby broadcast. on a national broadcast. Thank God they did it on a national broadcast, okay? Yep. Colby Armstrong. Now, Liam McHugh asked both, Kevin Weeks and Colby Armstrong, did you like that call against Brad Marchand? Kevin Weeks immediately said no, and that was all he said. Hmm. Colby Armstrong took it, a little bit further.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This, this, these were his words, folks. Like brutal call. If you look at it, he was going to cross. Sorry, cross check him, mm-hmm. which is so on brand. But then he goes, "Okay, I'm not going to cross check him. I'm just going to bump him. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to bump him down. Right. Okay, give him the penalty. Get it right. Get thicker skin. Mm-hmm. Big deal. The guy's upset. Skate away." call the two minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: What, are, what are we doing here? I don't know. And that's the piece that
0: irritates me to no end. You know, I, I, I spent a, a little part of my career as a residence hall director. Now, if anybody out there, ever went to college or works in student affairs knows, that is a job that can be a, a tough job where you oversee your RAs, but when you're on call, you sometimes have to respond to belligerent students up to no good, right? And I can appreciate what an official might hear or, you know, experience in that moment with a very belligerent player. Been in that position before. Um, But I will tell you what, In any job that I've ever had, working with college students, uh, it was never appropriate for me to punish them because of how they were responding in the moment. I always had to be the adult. Uh, You know, I mean, if it got crazy obviously if they were saying some pretty horrific things i could be like well you can't do that but i don't know i'm sure you maria have experienced uh people in your work life who have been unpleasant or ornery or whatever and you know you you know as well as i do when you're at work and you're dealing with someone who's being a fool coworker or not you have to be the adult And you can't, you have to be the professional, right? You can't respond in a personal way because it's going to come back to bite you in the ass if you do. It just drives me absolutely bonkers. It's when an official responds
1: like that. You're chirping at me. I'm going to throw on two minutes. Uh, Eric Johnson. So you're tripping at me because I totally, yeah, I totally screwed up, Right. but I'm going to make you pay the price for that. Screw up. Right. I'm sorry. Every player out there, whether or not you screw, you could have
0: screwed up or you could have been absolutely right. And the player could be disagreeing with the call. It's well within their right to bitch and moan out there about the call. That's totally fine. That's their that's their prerogative, just as much as it's your prerogative to make the call when you see them and when you see fit, right? So, to all the officials out there, put your big boy pants on, be the adults, and just ignore the players who are com- chirping at you. Like, get. Over yourselves, because now we're talking about an abuse of power. Because you're in a position of authority where you can say, because yes. you, as an individual, as a person, if what you want to say to someone like Brad Marchand, who, let's be honest, will always have already a strike against him, you.
1: No, there's definite. It's not saying? even that. There is definite bias. There right. is definite bias towards Brad Marchand. And I'm sick and tired of hearing from people. Well, that's because he has a reputation. That's because, no, he's cleaned up his reputation, people. He's now the captain of an original 16. And he deserves respect based on that. And like, look,
0: I understand you have this bias and you would love nothing more to just Have that personal satisfaction to say f you to Brad Marchand. I get it. I can recognize that. However, you are an official. You are in a position of power. You are in a position of authority. With great authority and responsibility comes great power, and the fact that you can have a direct impact on the game in this way. It's shameful that any referee. Would ever dare to let things become personal and tack on extra minutes or whatever because someone is chirping at him. Yep. That, I think, would be a real easy way for Bettman to say from the top, hey, we're going to control, we're going to do our best to control for this bias. And you, you can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. Because I think that's bullshit, and I think it is, and has a negative impact on the game. It serves no purpose. What does it do? What does it do? It does nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. It it takes away the the focus from these athletes. Already serving the time. Right. Already serving the time. This is your own personal vendetta. Vendetta. Feel good that you can stick it to the player. But you know what? Again, grow the hell up. Be an adult. you yep. like, is this how you talk? Is this how you respond to your kids? Like if you've got a three-year-old who like has no social skills, doesn't understand how to exist as a human being, barely. And if the kid spills their milk all over you, what are you going to do? Throw the kid in their room and ground them forever because they, they like you just you tell them to not do that again and you make them clean it up. That's the punishment, right? Whatever. Like that's how you respond. This is just I hate it. I think it kills the game of hockey and it's it's a
1: black mark on the game. There. Well, I'll, I'll be I'll be very curious to see the I'll be I'll, I'm going to be watching the Winter Classic with a keen eye towards the level of officiating because that it that is a big deal for the, for the league. And if they have garbage, to, to me, the dam is getting close to breaking. Players, coaches um, are reaching their breaking point with this trash.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. With yeah. this, and we, and we can say whatever we want, Mr. Bettman, and you can't find us. So you know what? Suck on that for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's an but embarrassment to the league. It's an embarrassment. Yeah. It's an embarrassment for the league. It's it's a disservice to these players who, you know, night after night give not only a hundred percent, and most nights they have to give 110% because of the nature of the physicality and the speed and the pace of professional hockey. And this is what you give them. This is how you reward them that you give them trash officiating. These officials don't even know what. A trip is they don't know what a slash is they don't know what a hook is they don't know what an elbow is they're just raising their arms and they don't even know why they're raising their freaking arms right right yeah it's it's just really
0: frustrating as a hockey fan to witness this kind of just absolutely awful awful officiating it's I don't I don't even know like I couldn't tell you how to fix it. I I I don't know. But it's pretty awful. Um they
1: the the, the easy way to fix it is, okay? Mm-hmm. You, they need to start de-emphasizing the ticky-tack shit, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. It's it's you got you got to get rid of it mm-hmm. and focus on the real penalties that are happening. During a game, that right. justify okay, real justification for double minors, right? Real justification right. for major penalties and game misconducts, right. okay? How about just start with that?
0: Right. Yep. Yep. So, uh, as everyone can clearly tell, uh, we've been really frustrated <laughs> with. How the officiating has been going on. So it's like adding a level of insult to injury with
1: everything. Now, now, take this in the context from which it comes. We just went off on officiating during the course of a game that the Boston Bruins won people. I know. They won the game four to one. They played a very good game from start to finish. The Buffalo Sabres are the Buffalo Sabres. I get it, you know what, but it was it was the landing spot that the Bruins needed to 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 break the four game mm-hmm. losing streak mm-hmm. but their specialty teams were the stars of the game
0: 100%. the the
1: penalty kill and the power play that's what won the game for the Bruins against the Sabres last night they they won puck battles they 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 killed off that 4 minute that 4 minute penalty that was issued to Brad Marchand in the first they they killed it off yep. the, But the sabers power play was virtually useless yep. virtually useless yeah um and to his credit Brad Marchand came out of that box like his hair was on fire <laughs> he was all over the ice yeah so he you know he took that time to Remotivate himself, right? And I think the Bruins saw that and they just followed his lead throughout the course, course of that game. Yep. Charlie McAvoy had two power play goals in that game. Now, guys that we had been, you know, kind of thinking about calling out, um, Jake DeBrusque, Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, we needed to <laughs> see more out of those guys. Yeah. Um, Jake Debrusque had a couple of assists in this game. Charlie McAvoy was pretty active in the game. Hampus Lindholm had himself a good game as well. Yep. So just what the doctor doctor ordered exactly. was a game against the Buffalo Sabres.
0: Yep. So, you know, we've got a couple of uh games coming up um, in the next week. Uh, a rematch with the Devils. The Devils uh, game, the previous game that they had, they it was a good one. Um, so I'll be curious to see how the Bruins respond to that previous OT loss. Um, you know, Devils are always dangerous. They've got Jack Hughes. Like, you can't ever count him out for as inconsistent as their goaltending is. Um the Bruins are going to have to either figure out how to neutralize some of those star players, you know, Heischer, all those guys, um, but also just get out of the stinking zone. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then they're playing Detroit, which is a a team that they've uh, really struggled against because they are a fast team that has been able, again, to neutralize the Bruins' offensive players. So that'll be an interesting game um, to see them play against,
1: and
0: and that's and a five a o'clock.
1: Year. That's a five o'clock start, folks. So it doesn't. It. it will. Um, it will be the the, the right uh, pregame activity to that's lead cool. you all into your New Year's Eve festivities. Yep.
0: Absolutely. So it'll be another kind of uh I don't know bellwether game I think against in particular against Detroit uh because they've played them already a couple of times so i want to know if they have learned anything from their previous games against them and also what have they learned in recent games period and how are they going to bring that into their into this game
1: yeah it um, would it would be nice to see them build on the all the good things they did mm-hmm. in the game against the sabers which were you know to win puck battles manage the puck well um minimize odd man rushes Yep, which yep. has been an issue for this team.
0: Odd yeah. man rushes have been a have been an issue. So we'll see what they do. You know, I feel like uh, this season every game is a little bit different. So there's no like expected outcome. I feel like with each game for the Bruins this year. So I think anything could happen. Quite frankly, uh, so we'll see. It should be exciting. Um and then around the rink, we got a couple of other little fun things to, to bring. Fun up. facts. Yeah. A little hat tip to Mika Zibanejad for his eight hundredth game. I can't believe he's been in the league that long. It doesn't seem right. like it's been that long. Uh and Paul Marie coached his eighteen hundredth game last night. Um so that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So hat tip to those those folks. Um and we'll we'll end the night on a fun little what the chirp uh story that we we saw. If if anybody has social media and follows the Boston Bruins, I think we all know it was an adorable little story about Jeremy Swayman and Jacob Lauco getting stuck in an elevator, an old timey elevator on their way to Shattenkirk's house for Christmas. Um Just hilarious and adorable and it happened to everybody i guess
1: (laughs) yeah fire the fire department um ended up having to uh to come to their rescue and i Mm -hmm. believe that charlie coyle gave the members of that fire department a little shout out (laughs) yeah for 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 saving his teammates
0: exactly (laughs) very important because i do believe yes Jeremy Swayman was in net last night, so Correct. kind of important to get him out of there. <laughs> but other than that, Maria, any final words? It's been an hour. It's it's been cathartic to yell and scream about these refs. Any
1: final words? Um, did we want to um let our listeners know that we'll have a little bit of a special episode that will be um. Putting yep. out on the on the uh, Ethernet here soon?
0: Absolutely, yes. So coming up soon um, in about two weeks, because Maria is going off to warmer climates for a short period of time. In about two weeks, we won't have a regular episode. We will have a special episode um, where we have just a great little round table discussion with our friend Anna at Prism Hockey talking about the refs and hitting and player safety and all that good stuff. So next week we'll be back for our first of 2024 regular season uh, episode. But the week after we will have a special episode where we get to hear if what we are seeing as Boston Bruins fans is, problematic elsewhere uh in the league uh spoiler alert yeah kinda kinda yeah
1: yeah and shout out to matty potra he's having himself a little junior
0: tournament is yes he is he's having a good time so uh with that all i'll say is what i always say go bees
1: go bees and happy new year everyone